Hi there, my name's Dana Coyas, and you're listening to a podcast put on by Roasted Pepper Studios, where we talk to photographers about the business of their photography. And this week, we're talking to Tad Myers, who is a photographer out of Grapevine, Texas. Tad, thanks for joining us. Thanks for having me. So, so just a, a little backstory on the uh, on the podcast. I, you know, our goal is to to help people out there who might be wanting to make the jump into photography and to kind of get a different perspective on just different types of careers and sometimes not even photography. Um, it's, it's weird how life kind of takes us from one thing to the next. And uh, sometimes we see it coming and sometimes we don't. And hopefully we can get your story about uh, where you are and, and how you got there. And, uh, and I'll tell you, I, I was, I, I meet a lot of photographers in person. I also, uh, I, I stalk them a little bit on, on the internet and I came across your website and, uh, and I noticed you you had a book. I, I noticed you had a book out, and uh, and from as much as I can tell, that tends to be like a really cool place in life to get to, where you actually have a book that you publish. How did you get there? Yeah, I mean, I guess uh, you know, I've always throughout my commercial career because I've always been a commercial photographer as far as working for ad agencies, you know, graphic design firms, corporate clients. Um, that's kind of always been my interest and my niche that I always wanted to go into. Uh, my father was a printer in Houston, and so I was running a printing press when I was young. And so I kind of grew up around the printing industry and the somewhat advertising industry, but, you know, running printing presses and, and layout design and kind of that type of thing. And um, and so I grew up with that background and went to school pretty much fully knowing that I wanted to go into some form of commercial photography. I wasn't sure, you know, studio work or product or people or whatever. So I went to school, um, graduated with a BA from um, from uh, Texas A&M Commerce um, in East Texas and a minor in computer science. And then uh, and went through that program and got out and assisted many different photographers and interned for many different photographers along the way during my college years, um, during that uh, five years that I was in college. And so each summer I would intern with different photographers in both the Houston and the Dallas area. And then um, got out of school, worked full time for a photographer in Dallas, doing mostly studio work, um, food and um, catalog, product, annual report, studio kind of work. So mostly no people, not really any people or anything. And so um, that was my background, my main background in the beginning, even though I had worked with photographers that had shot people along the way as well. But I was with that studio for four years, first as a studio manager, and then as a production um, coordinator, and then as a second shooter um, on salary, and then as a, a shooter totally on commission basis, where the studio repped me and, and everything. So in that four years, I kind of spanned... Um, all the different kind of beginning processes of a photographer. So um, once I got, and then once I got to the end of that four years, um, we split ways and I went on and started my business. That was in the year 2000, in the summer of 2000. And, you know, of course that was not the best, most opportune time to start a business since, you know, 99, the crash had come. And of course a year later, 2000, uh, 2001 happened. And so the, um, you know, the business was going through some changes. I mean, the economy itself was going through some major changes. What, what was what was and that so, like? Like just to start a um, business, start a business and have it be really rocky at first is 
what I'm guessing, like how, what was that experience like? Well, yeah, I would say, I mean, I've told a lot of people this, that <clears throat> the best time to start your business is when times are bad, because if you can weather that storm and you can persevere and you can <clears throat> create a market for yourself, create a brand and an identity and find clients um, and learn along the way, of course, but if you can do that in really tough and tight times, then obviously when the um, when things are flowing a lot easier and better, then it's much easier. Um, and so I, you know, I tell assistants all the time that that's that's it, there's really no bad time I think to start a business. I mean, you know, when you're when you're in uh, in a job you hate or you're, um, you know, I mean, I talk mostly to assistants, but. There's a lot of photographers that came from being lawyers or, you know, the various occupations that are out there. And, you know, you do have to know about marketing. I mean, in the commercial business, just like in any business, you have to know so many things about so many different facets of running a business. Because really, at the end of the day, it is a business. I mean, you have to have an art that you create and you sell and you market and you find somebody that wants to pay you to create it for them. But at the end of the day, you have to run a business and have a profit loss statement and you have to... Uh, decide how to spend your marketing dollars, and you have to spend marketing dollars, and uh, and so some of that just gets figured out through research and experience and everything else, and that kind of goes into you know some of the things that I tell assistants. Like number one, I tell them you know don't ever buy equipment. You know people that are starting starting out don't go buy a bunch of expensive equipment. Go and buy postcards and marketing lists and and uh, shoot lots of tests and try and develop your style and your own kind of personal way you see the world because that's the only way anyone will ever pay you any decent amount of money is because of the way you see. If you're a commodity, like a lot of people might be where you're shooting more catalog work, um, you know, there is a lot of that work out there, but it's also very, very competitive and, and it's very price and cost focused. And so, um, the run the problem you can run into is just having so many people in the market and the price declining so much, which I think it has in a lot of that business that a lot of that kind of gravy train business that used to be out there and kept a lot of photographers alive just doesn't exist anymore. And so, you know, the more personality and the more stylized work you can put out and separate yourself from the masses, the better off you'll be and the better you'll be able to charge um, and the better financially I think you'll be now it is a longer term process you know that kind of thing doesn't happen overnight I mean it's a band, it's a, a brand building kind of concept and it takes years to do that so you, know, you have to have kind of a longer term vision and you have to ha have a consistency about it um, like that and so you know that's that's kind of you know getting back to your other point about how the book came about I I always marketed myself I always spent money on marketing um, and, you know, the first equipment I did not buy until I really had a fairly consistent workload. I would just rent it. You know, I never rented cameras, but I rented lenses. I rented lighting equipment. Whatever, that's a really good idea. But I never rent. That's the one thing I never rented is the cameras. I think so many people get stuck <laughs> in the, the equipment trap. You know, they've got their, their little bit of money that they're just starting out with, and and they they spend 100% of it on, on equipment, and then suddenly – you know, what are you left with to go get your business? <laughs> You've got to go market. Like you said, you got to go market yourself and get people to come to you. And, uh, and if you haven't yet developed yourself, and I, th I think that's some, uh, that's really good ad advice as far as something to steer clear of is, is there anything else that, that you've noticed that 
people fall into a, a trap or something to steer clear of while they're starting out? Well, I think um, also, you know, I think that's vitally important, you know, as far as not spending your money on things like that, because, you know, like I tell people is, you know, if if you don't have the work, you don't need the equipment. And so um, if you have the work, you can order the equipment brand new from B&H and have it here tomorrow. I mean, they can ship it overnight, you know, and we, mm-hmm. I do that all the time. I mean, if I get mm-hmm. a job and I need a $3,000 lens, I just order it, you know, because a job. If you need it and the job is a good job, then, you know, you need it and the job will pay for it. But that's the way I run my business. And then other than that, if it's not something that's really vitally needed, um, you know, we funnel a lot of money into marketing. I mean, I spend probably 15 to 20 percent of my income a year on marketing. Um, it's just the most important thing. That's good. How did you uh, how did you first market yourself and what do you find yourself doing now for marketing? Well, it's funny because, you know, before I did postcards and, you know, the business and the world has changed so much um, now in the last, you know, I've been shooting almost 20 years. So I'm not a really old guy. <laughs> I'm not a new spring chicken on the uh, come that just came out either, you know, so <laughs> I'm just kind of in the middle. I'm, I'm, um, but I remember a lot of that. I mean, I went to school and shot only film in school and got out and shot film, medium format film on three different medium format systems, the Contex, uh, Fuji 680, and, and even some 4x5. And we shot a lot of 4x5 early on, but, you know, transitioned into medium format. But so, so you know, it went from that into beginning stages of digital, which was a D100 and, or, um, you know, an icon system. And then I ended up going completely digital. And I can't remember what year it was, but I bought the, the first major, your Canon system and really used an icon system because I shot all medium format. So once that Canon system came out that I think was 11 megapixels, that's when I pretty much sold and did it overnight. But I bought, you know, $30,000 worth of Canon lenses and two bodies um, and accessories. And then in the six months that followed it, I just piecemealed, sold everything I had. And probably by six months from then, I didn't even own a film camera because it just it didn't make any sense anymore i mean the client the expectations the the way you shoot i mean it completely changes everything about photography i mean it really did and so you know that that was a big, big change and uh um uh, and and so you know that's also kind of segueing into kind of where i'm at now and you know i had a studio for 10 years and now i don't have a studio anymore i do mostly location work and out of town and so you know, being close to the airport is more important than having a studio. And we just rent a studio if we ever need it. And I use a studio maybe twice a year. So just, you know, depends on your workload and what you do. And back then people expected you to have a studio in the commercial world. You know, you just, you weren't a real photographer if you didn't have a studio and and a basketball goal and a, and, you know, a, a kitchen to cook in and all that. And so it's just the business has changed so much. You know, back then we had to have a film store down the street and a lab to run film tests and, and things and be by it every day. So you could run snip tests on your job film and then run, you know, a roll every other run so that the lab wouldn't mess up all your film if you ran them all in, in one batch. So, you know, being close to all that infrastructure was really important where now, you know, if you have a good fiber optic internet connection or a, um, you know, whatever, a good internet connection, then you can pretty much do anything. You know, everything is done online and 
you know, through web galleries for clients to look at and approve, and then pull files, and then zip them into folders and email them for download. And yeah, I think te- done and delivered. I think technology has uh, definitely made things a lot more streamlined and and probably a lot more uh, mobile and easier for 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 everyone. I, I think that's just kind of where we're at now, where we're at today. And you mentioned kind of a changing landscape going from from film to digital and from having a studio to to being more mobile and and without a studio was there uh, and and you mentioned that when you started off in 2000 2001 it's a little bit of a rocky time how, how did was there a turning point when things got better for you was was there a particular point in your in your business that that things changed was it a, a big job or was it just kind of a a steady march on towards where you're at now well, it's funny because, you know, whenever I left that studio, I was pretty nervous, of course, because I was kind of under a pretty good wing there for a long time. And uh, and when I left, I was kind of nervous that, you know, well, would I get any work and this and that. And, and the ironic part is that after I left, a lot of clients that would not give me any work because of the studio I was at, and it was just just because of the you know, the kind of conflict in that and that, you know, the the photographer that I work for is a great photographer and good friend of mine to this day as well. And, uh, but, you know, they had shot with him for years. And even if a job came up that kind of might be a little more toward what my style was at that time of doing kind of transitioning into people and less studio and product work, um, I think they just felt kind of, um, you know, like it was inappropriate to kind of contact me because I was in the same studio. So some clients came to me immediately and, and, uh, for annual reports and some other things, which was great. And so that, that was a a hidden thing that I didn't really realize until I left and I saw that. And so, you know, you can be in a situation where you think it's a really good situation and safe for you, but at some point, you know, you really have to be on your own, um, in this business, especially in the commercial business, because that's how people perceive you the way that they, you know, you want them to perceive you. <clears throat> so that was kind of a hidden thing, but, uh, there wasn't really any one job. I mean, I've, you know, I think it, for me, it was a bit more of a, a march up, you know, the, the mountain, so to speak, and, you know, trying to be consistent on it. Um, you know, I always marketed myself and I always shot personal projects and, and I always tried to do things, you know, that I liked along the way, even though, you know, it might not have been commercial, commercially viable, um, as far as selling that to somebody, but I did, you know, I did a project on my, on being on a naval destroyer the, the week of September 11th. That's where I was in the Pacific Ocean. So I, I did a series on that. I did a series on my grandfather. So I would always, I always look for projects and things that I thought were interesting, um, or had potential photographic interest. Um, and so, you know, to use those projects to, to also self-promote myself. And, you know, I went to Honduras in 2000 and did a self-published little booklet that I'd mailed to like 3,000 people, you know, on my clientele base. And so that's, you know, this American Craftsman project that's up now um, is about five years old, but, you know, it's about the seventh or eighth project in my career that I've kind of done. It's by far the one that's lasted the longest and grown the most. So do you use these, do you use these as, as marketing? You mentioned the pamphlet and, and the book, like, do you put them together to send to your clients to, to self-promote? Do you do them for like to make money on their own? Like, are they their own income stream or, 
you know, what's what's the main purpose? Just expressing yourself. How, how do you see these these projects? Yeah, I mean, I think they're you know they're really the most important thing in my eyes is self promotion. I mean, they're you know you're using these projects and you're hopefully photographing them in a way um, that separates you from from at least you know a decent amount of the pack in either the way you shoot it or the content that's involved with it. And that's the way I've always done, you know, all these projects because, you know, they were, none of them were really made to make money. I mean, they were just kind of interesting stories that I thought were interesting. And, and I guess even going back into college and, and high school and shooting things, I always sort of saw my work as series oriented. And so it kind of always fell into that storytelling mentality for some reason. And so that's what I've, I've always enjoyed that kind of thing. You know, I'm, I'm not, I'm really not the kind of guy that, you know, one shot, you know, each shot is just this amazing, you know, perfectly produced, perfectly leveled and corrected, you know, image that's, you know, and there's just so much of that out there these days. But I think to me, um, I'm much more of a traditionalist and much less um, about, you know, compositing or anything like that. I don't really do any of that type of thing. Um, and, and so, you know, just telling stories with imagery and in a style, in a, a personal style, I think is what I, that's how I would kind of describe my work. And it, it's kind of evolved, but it's also stayed very much the same. I mean, you know, I look back at my grandfather's life of a grandfather that I did on my grandfather back in the early 2000s and late 90, you know, 90s. And, you know, it's very different. And what I do now is much better, you know, uh, whatever that is, 20 years almost has passed, and so, um, or 15 years has passed, so, you know, it's just better quality and everything, but it's very similar in style, probably, in a lot of ways. Have you, have you have any, <laughs> let me try that one again, <laughs> have you had any close calls where, like, you were thought about quitting or, or uh, hanging up the camera? Um. Yeah, I mean, I think everybody feels that way sometimes. I mean, you know, whenever I start feeling like that, I usually try and get out and shoot a project. I mean, you know, mm-hmm. back in um, back whenever I started this project five a little over five years ago, um, that's really how it was born because it was in that then. You know, the it was in the summer of 2008 when I did a little project, a little job for for a design firm, good friends of mine for. Um, and I, we went to, to photograph Brent Hull and Hull Historical Millworks in Fort Worth, and they make real high-end, beautiful architectural moldings for different, you know, houses and municipalities and and um, things like that all over the nation. And and we shot that, and that's literally driving home from that half-day job that we shot these guys crafting a few things in their wood shop. Um, we, my producer and I, and assistant at the time, we just kind of said, I wonder what else there is out there where people are making things by hand. And it was really before any of that was really popular or anything before it was on the ABC news. And that made the America series with Diane Sawyer before any of that happened. It's amazing how just five years ago, it was completely under the radar. I mean, and I, I mean, you know, it, I never say that I invented anything like that because, you know, it's gone, the craft movement in America has happened many times. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's just funny how it really, I mean, I just kind of stumbled upon it at the time and just thought, man, that's a, just a really cool idea. You know, go find these guys, either small guys or medium sized companies. Nakona gloves was one of the first ones. And, and we just stuck to the kind of the North Texas ones, shot five more and it 
and created a booklet and a and a party and and stuff in 2009. Um, and that was a big marketing push at that time. I mean, I tell people I spent the price of a pretty good a a, a pretty nice car, you know, on that marketing push. And uh, and you know, you don't know if you're going to get it back. I mean, it's just you know, I tried to work it as much as I could. I got trade out on the paper. I got the printing for a better deal since I'm not AT&T. I kind of negotiated that some with kind of some vendors that I knew and the design firm did it for not full rate. Um, but saw it as a promotional piece for them and an opportunity to do something cool and interesting. And, um, and so, you know, but even, even in all those deals that we swing still end up spending more than what a car costs just about, you know? So, you know, that's, that's scary. You know, you like, don't know if that's going to come back. Right. Like that you just, you, you really don't. And there's a lot of people who are either in business like you who are contemplating like, Oh, is this a good use of my money? Is this a good spend? And there's people who are not involved with it or who are thinking about spending their money to get involved, that sort of thing. Uh, and you kind of have to weigh the, the cost and benefit, right? Like you've got to look at it and say, well, I think in the long run, this is going to be good for me and what I'm doing. How, how do you decide when to take risks like that? Yeah, I mean, I think, you know, I look at it like it's an investment. I mean, at that time, you know, like I said, the, that was the summer of 2008 when we shot it. And then going into the fall of 2008, I mean, the phone was just not ringing very much. You know, I mean, it was just, I mean, it was bad. I mean, the con the stock market alone went from November of 07 at whatever, 14,000 almost or whatever, or over 14,000 to, I think it had gotten to eight or something that summer. You know, so it dropped, I mean, like 40% in like six months, seven months, something like that. And I don't remember the exact numbers, but I remember it's pretty detrimental, you know, um, of a drop. And so people were feeling pretty scared. I mean, it was, it was not a good time. And, uh, but, you know, I remember rolling into the Christmas time of 2008 and, you know, had found out that the paper was going to get, was going to be given to me for the book and, and I don't know, a couple of just little things kind of came and fell into place. And then I I pretty much just thought about it over Christmas and said, you know, this is kind of that time you got to kind of make a choice, make a decision, because, you know, we're looking at doing it in the spring. And, you know, it was a good time, you know, starting in March. And uh, and it would take probably three months to kind of get the book produced and printed and the and the party in April. And and so, you know, at some point you do, you just got to decide to pull the trigger. And, and it was, it was the... Uh, it was a pretty difficult thing to do at that moment. How did you decide to pull the trigger? So like you're, you're sitting there and you're like, should I go or should I not? You know, I have, I have a few roads in front of me. Which one do I choose? How did you go about that? What was the process like when you pull the trigger? Um, you know, I, I don't know. I just kind of think about it and I think how, how well I believe in the, and what it is. Um, and uh and know that i've got to spend marketing money on things and i don't know you know it's it's tough i mean it's, it's really not to tell you the truth i don't think there's it's really quantitative like there's no real um decision making that's real black and white in that i think you just you know i've just always felt like marketing dollars are always good dollars to spend and so the more unique the marketing dollars are that you're spending, the better off you'll be. So if you're just spitting out postcards of generic shots of, you know, widgets on a white background, it's probably not the best marketing dollars you can spend because the problem is the people that hire people to do widgets on white are hiring you because they're seeing this amazing image of, 
a chrome, you know, whatever you shot that's, uh, you know, on some really beautiful background that's an amazing photograph, they hire you in that world a lot of times to shoot widgets on white, and they pay you well, but they are not hiring you because you showed them 10 widgets on white. They're hiring you because of what you've done that's way above and beyond what that is. So I think that's also another lesson that people probably need to learn. Um, you know, people want to see something different. And so I think in marketing, it's always something that you want to you wanna show people, you know, your vision and something that's different from what everyone else is doing, which is not an easy thing. I mean, and it's something that comes over time and you learn and you, you know, everybody evolves. I mean, it's, it's um, and you know, another really good thing that I think everybody should live by is, you know, you're only as good as your last photograph you took or your last project because, that's all it is, you know, I mean, you, there's no stopping, you know, I've kind of come to the realization that you don't, you don't just say, okay, I'm there. That's it. Just give me work. And that just does not happen in our business. It's so fluid and so, so cha ever changing. And, um, and so you got to love that. That's part of the business you got to embrace because if you don't, you know, you'll be in and out fairly quickly. Well, I think that's, that's, that's good. Like life advice. Thank you. You're just you're never there. It's it's a it's a fluid, ongoing, ever changing continuum, right? Like it's it's not like oh, okay, I'm married now. What? No, no. There's always something. There's always something more. It it doesn't stop. Uh, and I think that's a good way to look at it. Even if your if your job has you in a cubicle, like it's you're just there's always something out there, and there's always something else. And I think it's important to go get it. I think it's important to uh, to not sit there and and. Uh, and, and twiddle your thumbs because then then you lose your edge. Yeah, no, I, I agree. I mean, I think you're right. It's it's it is about life, and it's about kind of structuring your life around that, and uh, and you know finding something you, you really enjoy doing because then it's not work. You know, I mean, that's if you can do that, that's pretty huge. I mean, I, I guess my father was very influential on me because he he was self-employed most of his life where he owned a printing company, and even though the printing company was a very utilitarian type of business with much less really quote-unquote art to it um he was a really good printer though and what he did quality wise he's way above a lot of people but kind of a small mom and pop kind of seven eight person kind of company um with four presses and so he did really nice quality work you know at a good price but um but you know he always said that you know you've got to kind of find something that you really like otherwise you're going to have to work for the rest of your life and it's um, and so luckily for me, you know, they supported me in, in what I wanted to do and saw the, um, you know, I guess saw that I was really interested in it. And, you know, I was interning when I was 18 years old. So I was very fortunate also that I have moved forward extremely rapidly into what I, you know, once I found what I wanted to do. Um, so, you know, it's, I guess it's like that, what is it, 10,000 hours, I say, you know, <laughs> do something for 10,000 hours, you become an expert at it. And so the earlier you start that, the earlier you become an expert. So uh, and I, by no means do I say I'm an expert in photography, but, you know, I'm, I try and move along the way, along that path of 10,000 hours, I guess. It's funny that, uh, you know, in the book, there's a the uh, the plumber, there's a um, the guy that makes banjos in the book, I always I always talk about him because he was a plumber for 25 years and, you know, just kind of got tired of doing plumbing and uh, started kind of tinkering with making banjos. And, um, and so, you know, he started doing that and, and made a few and sold a couple and, 
researched it, and there was no books about how to build a banjo. So there was, like, I think one book that he found. And so he had ended up pretty much making his own equipment, his own tools to make these banjos. And, and now he makes these beautiful, you know, whatever, 5000 or $10,000 banjos or whatever and sells wow. them. He's been doing it for quite a long time. And so I think that's where this, the book and the project, the American Craftsman Project, you know, kind of touched me in a real personal way over the years because that's the way I've always tried to make my work to other people. It's like, a, you know, something unique, something different. So these guys that are making, you know, from pipes to um, skis and, and surfboards and, you know, whatever, all these different items, you know, especially the guys that are one-man shows, you know, I mean, there's a few, few bigger ones, Steinway Pianos and the book and some other larger companies, Danner Boots. But the vast majority of these guys, you know, they're single makers, you know, knife maker in Arkansas, you know, holster maker in Mississippi. And, you know, it's a whole mix of these guys that, to me, I think that's tremendous. I mean, I, I just love the, the concept in it. And I, you know, I try and make my photography similar to what they do in their line of work um, because people pay a premium for something that they see as unique and a piece of art and, and something that they can't cool, you know, toiled over um, over time and, and creating something. And, you know, if you're looking for something like that, a, you know, a belt or a hat or boots um, and you're looking for that uniqueness, then people are willing to spend more money and, and get something that they feel like is much more individual. So what do you plan to do next? The book sounds like it was uh, fairly impactful in both your photography and, uh, and on life. What's next? Yeah, I mean, the book has been an amazing, amazing thing for my career and my life. I mean, it's it's also cost me a lot of hair, I think, and a lot of gray hair in a lot of ways, because, <laughs> you know, I never really viewed the book as even, I mean, the project as even being a book, you know, I started it and started growing it from six to 10 to 15 to 20, and then finally to 30 and sold it to a publishing company, you know, to print the book. And so, you know, the intention at the beginning wasn't ever to really make a book. I mean, the, you know, I always, I mean, I remember talking to people saying that pie in the sky dream is to make a book eventually, but you know, you got to have 30 companies or something in order to make a 300 page hardback book. And so I, and I never wanted to make it just a Texas book. I always wanted to, for some reason, want really had the interest of making it more diversified all over the country. And, you know, I'm just a working photographer. I don't have a trust fund or anything. So I, you know, I can't just quit my business and go on a six month or a one year hiatus to go shoot all these companies. I mean, I have to pay my health insurance just like everybody else. So, um, so it was, you know, something that had to evolve over time. And, and I think that helped to create what the final product was because it kind of developed much more organically than it would have, if I would have just kind of said, okay, I got these 30 companies, I'm going to go hit them all and, and go do it. Well, four years to, to find some of them, a lot of them came to me over time. They found the website and, and just said, if I'm ever in, you know, whatever part of the country, stop by. So I have a whole folder on my, on my browser that's all devoted to different states and cities. So if I ever, you know, whenever I went to Boston for a job, I'd look and see what I bookmarked back over the last year and, and luckily traveled quite a bit in the last four years. And, you know, you know, Kentucky, Tennessee, Louisiana, Colorado, California, New Mexico, um, New York, Connecticut, 
Vermont, you know, all these different places that I went that pretty much were all jobs um, that ironically were based on the beginning of the project. So kind of a real interesting kind of circle to all of it, probably. Are you going to do another book or do you have another uh, topic on, on the back of your mind? Uh, you know, not right now. I mean, you know, I'm still working. I'm still doing work that's based on the project. It's it's kind of starting to evolve. I feel like a little bit into something a little different, maybe. Hmm. But um, I don't know. I mean, it, it's uh, right now it's still taking a lot of time. I mean, I've got a a couple of I got a book a reception here in Dallas coming up in March. Um, that's on the website, like a book signing and reception. <clears throat> and then um, I'm the work the work will be displayed there because I did a book a book release party back in November where we had 30 prints. It was pretty interesting because we had one two by three foot archival watercolor print for each of the companies and then a few like 50 inch prints. And that show, so it was like 35 prints, that show went to Boston and is coming back this week um, to the trade show, to the trade company or the trade school that's up in Boston. And it's coming back this week from that. And then it will hang at the book reception and signing um, in Dallas in March, and it's going to go to my school in the fall, and I'm going to do a, a one-day workshop and discussion and lecture and book signing and opening and stuff. So it's you know it's kind of still taking a lot of time, and on top of the work and normal you know, day-to-day personal life, of course, that we all have to maintain. So, so you know, I haven't really had any lull, but I don't know. I'm, That's a good I'm thing, probably, right? Probably, you know. Yeah, I mean it is a good thing. I mean I'm very blessed, and you know it's uh, <clears throat> it's been a it's been an amazing adventure and a ride. And that's what I tell people. You know, you you know I never would have thought that it would go that far, um, but you know that it all came from just somewhat being bored. You know, I mean in 2008 when the summer was here, it's like you know what are you gonna do? Sit around and wait for the phone to ring, or are you gonna go and <laughs> find something to do? You know, that's actually so. the perfect segue into my my very next question. Uh, it's under my advice column, and it's what does opportunity look like? Yeah, I mean, I would say, you know, opportunity, I think it's like what they talk about is, you know, um, you know, it's not really about luck a lot of times. It's, you know, it's knowing when you're going to take the opportunity of that when it presents itself in front of you. You know, some of it is luck, maybe, but the, it's also a lot of just recognizing an opportunity and recognizing something that's, worth your look and worth your investment into it. And so, um, you know, I think that's when, that's when you, you know, you have to kind of find, you know, find something to, to kind of keep moving forward and progressing and whatever that is, you know, that's the hard part. (laughs) I mean, I have to say, you know, people have asked me, you know, what's next? What's next? You're going to do another book and, you know, another American Craftsman version two and 30 more companies and, you know, I don't know. I, you know, I, I think I'd be interested in it, but there's, you know, this told a lot of stories and, uh, and, you know, I, I think I'm probably, you know, unless something really interesting comes up, I'm, you know, I'll probably be looking for something different and, but, you know, how do you follow up a, a pretty amazing kind of five-year process that this has become too. So I don't know. I mean, you know, I, I'm definitely, I'll be doing something, but, just what is it? I don't know yet. <laughs> well, it, you know, it sounds like you've had a, a, a fairly rewarding last few years, and, and that's that's great. I think everyone uh, should have that. Also, I'm kind of curious on the contrasting part of that. You know, what's the most challenging part of, of what you've been through in the last few years? 
Yeah, it's funny. My uh, my business has changed so much in the last few years. You know, I used to do more editorial and more kind of local work, and um, and my my really uh, my goal in my career has was always to to work less and shoot larger jobs. Which you know, of course, that sounds all great, and and it's not from a a lazy standpoint. It's you know finding better work. You know, job people that understand that things cost money and 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 you can you know and i'm bringing something to the table that's a little more unique perhaps but um that's i think it should be everybody's kind of goal in any business is to kind of keep striving for to find the better clients the better projects and and uh and you know so i feel like i've you know i've really tapped into that in the last few years and <clears throat> it's given me a lot more flexibility in kind of the way i run my business and the way I market myself and and other things which I did not have the opportunity for before, where really you know I really shoot less from a days per year standpoint, but um, but they're just better projects that have have more have more to them, you know, larger clients and stuff. And so, you know, I think that's that's a good thing to do. I mean, it's something that's important to kind of feel like you're always progressing, kind of like that. But um, but yeah, it's I mean it's it's been a challenge, I think, in a lot of ways. And, you know, we, um, another, I think, really important part is to the equation, which a lot of people don't talk about, is, uh, you know, when you're trying to structure your career and find ways to be successful in that, you also have to be successful in your personal life where you have containment of your spending and, you know, you put yourself in a position where you don't have to be desperate and shoot every job, you know, only defined by the jobs you turn down. And I think that's a really good adage because, you know, when people are, when, when you're, you know, if you run out and you buy the billion dollar house and all the cars and all the stuff to go with it, you know, you're definitely putting yourself in a position where you're much more desperate to, to have those jobs coming in than you are if you're much more conservative with the way you live. And so that component and that part of the equation might not necessarily be discussed very often. Um, but it's a very important part to also making your career successful, if that makes sense. Yeah, I, I think it does. I think you have to look at everything holistically, uh, especially spending, right? You have to be able to be in a, a healthy financial situation or place to be able to, to make some decisions in life. Yeah, I mean, I I tell my kids all the time, it's it's easy to spend money. It's a lot harder to make it. So, you know, you have to you have to kind of realize that I think, and and you know, I, there's you know, I've had several stories in the last five years of of clients that came along, and you know, good clients, good ad agencies, and um, really good client. The the project was for a really good client, and what they wanted, and the amount of work, and the images, and and stuff just was not, and the usage, the duration, and the the usage that they wanted on the imagery, and the li- uh, the license, I guess was just way too much for what they wanted to pay. And I've turned down multiple jobs in the last few years. And it's funny because they they do come back. You know, I mean, a, a lot of them come back a year later. And um, and so I think that kind of goes back to that, that whole, you know, you're defined by the jobs that you turn down. Um, sometimes you got to turn it down, even when it's a really good job. And, I mean, I've told art buyers that before it kills me to turn this job down shoot it but for that a budget it's just not fair i mean 
you know, I have to travel. I have to, you know, if it's if it's a travel job or whatever, and it's all kind of inclusive, and the amount of work that they want is just it can be, you know, cost prohibitive to your career to do it. And so I think sometimes you gotta, you just always gotta have that long term vision if you're gonna stay in it and you're devoted to it. Do you have any uh, any professional regrets? Anything that you look back on and you're like, ah, oh, I shouldn't have taken that job, or I should have taken that job, or anything yeah i mean i think early on you know we all do jobs that you know you think you know that was probably not a good idea because you know that client then always looks at you like that because you you know you did that job or you're you know and and it's you know you're always growing as a photographer i mean you know you're um no one like i said nobody ever kind of just keeps on producing at the same level or you know i mean that's the good thing about it right you keep growing and you Hopefully, the theory is that you improve throughout your career and you get better at it, more efficient, and um, and you just learn a lot. So, I mean, you know, um, I think that's, you know, that's a lifetime of, of learning that gets you to that point. Um, and so, you know, there, there probably is more than I remember. I, you know, I tend to try and remember the good ones <laughs> and uh, and not really remember the, the ones that were a challenge. Um but uh, that, you know, I think the most important part is kind of to always just try and keep moving along, keep plugging along. So, what's the best advice that's that's ever been given to you? Um, I don't know. I I really, you know, I'm a very conservative financial guy. You know, I I live my life in a very conservative way financially. My wife is pretty thrifty. Um, and so I think to me, that's the best advice I would tell anybody is that, you know, your professional career is completely tied to your professional or your, to your personal life. And so, you know, um, there's a lot of people that, you know, in our, in my business that, that live differently than that, you know, I mean, they live on a much different footprint than I do. And, and, you know, they, like I kind of tell people, you know, the banks, especially back when people were given, you know, banks were given mortgages, they'll give you enough to, to hang yourself, you know? Mm-hmm. I mean, they would back then. These days, I think it's gotten much more in line with where it used to be, where they, you know, you have to verify your income. They only give you a certain, you know, percentage of your, you know, whatever, two and a half or three times your yearly salary or your income. And so there's limits. But, you know, back then, you know, people were <laughs> taking mortgages that, you know, it's just had no business taking. And so, you know, if you live your life like that in a personal way, it pr- it makes it pretty difficult to run a business like that because, you know, like I said, when that job comes along and you kind of need to maybe make, make a bit of a statement with somebody and say, you know, that's just not, that's not a fair budget for something of, for what you're asking for. You know, you're going to mm-hmm. put this image in Times Square for six months and and how much does that cost them to do that? And you want to pay, you know, whatever amount of money for the image. Well, this just doesn't equate correctly. And so having that latitude in your life and that uh, ability to not, um, you know, to, to be able to make those choices a little more freely is, I think, probably the most important thing to being successful. Do you have any other, uh, any other advice for those starting out? Um, you know, I think you call, you know, 
what I always did when I was an assistant or whatever, I just called the photographers that I, you know, I admired their work or liked their work and try to find a way to get in and work for them. I mean, that's what I always did. And so if you're an assistant doing that, obviously, um, obviously that's what you want to do. You know, and if you're, um, if you're starting off your career and you're, you know, you're changing careers, then it's a bit more difficult probably because you're, you know, you probably have other obstacles in your life that create financial reasons why you need to work. And so then it's being as informed as you can be because the business is also, you know, it's a it's a very different business than most people know of when you're in you know, the commercial side. Um, but, you know, there's photographers everywhere. It's amazing how, you know, with the digital and everything, how that's created this just gigantic pool of photographers. And, um, and you know, I think you know, some photographers out there these days never even shot film. You know, a lot of the younger guys, especially, they never even shot a piece of film in school or any time. They've always shot digital. So they're solutions and they come from um, areas of much more illustrative and, and, you know, from a digital standpoint, a complete digital standpoint where there's, you know, where before guys like me that, um, that maybe did film, you know, I, I only shot film for about four years, but, and then it went completely digital, but uh, it really does. Some of that stuff shapes, you know, how you shoot and how you think and how you solve a problem. Um, you know, for good and bad, you know, sometimes I can probably hinder, hinder or help people. Um, so. Cool. So any, any other, uh, any other final thoughts on the, the whole business of photography that you have for anyone who may be listening? Um, no, I mean, I, you know, I think you just, you know, in the, at least in my world and commercial world, um, it's, it's always a challenge, and like I, like I always said, you're only as good as your last project, so you try and keep, you know, you just got to keep moving forward. I think that's the most important thing and, and uh, with anybody, and just keep shooting, keep finding things, and, you know, and I think it's funny because I used to shoot a lot more, but, you know, obviously when you got kids and family and, and work and different things, you know, you don't get as much time to just take photographs, and so some of that becomes a challenge, but, uh, but you know, you also keep your eyes open and find opportunities and reasons why to do that, you know, to do tests and really have time, you know, you try and keep your eyes open because there are things do present themselves to you and, uh, and just try and keep that open mind and try and find something that's interesting to you and tell the story or maybe a unique viewpoint that maybe someone else might not have taken on that particular subject. So where can people find out more about who you are and what you do? Yeah, I mean, my, you know, we have, I have two websites, you know, the tadmyers.com, T-A-D-D-M-Y-E-R-S.com, and that's the commercial advertising kind of work, mostly portraits, industrial, corporate advertising type of thing. Um, and then, uh, and then also the, the book has a, has a website since it wasn't ever, it wasn't really a book at the very beginning by any means, it was a project. And so it, it was branded as its own website and, and everything at the at uh, AmericanCraftsmanProject.com, and so that's you know there's 30 different companies on there, a couple of images um, per company, and a couple of quotes per company. But we kept it kind of you know we, we sized down the website in order to promote the book more and not have as much content on the website, which I think makes sense. But you can order the book online or Barnes and Noble or you know anywhere. It's even in most of the many of the Barnes and Noble and 
books a million and um, different brick and mortar type bookstores. Um, and you know, that's it was my it's my first adventure into making a book, which I can tell you is a is a whole lot of work and very enjoyable and very gratifying. But I think uh, the last year or so, I don't I probably didn't even didn't even remember before November of last year, <laughs> the year before that, from signing the contract to, to solidifying the writing and hiring a writer and delivering all 340 roughly file, you know, roughly 340 files to them in about a week, um, you know, in March and going through the production process during the summer and printing and, and seeing, you know, printing, uh, proofs and just that whole process. It's, a you know, it's, it was a pretty amazing adventure. You know? Well, Chad, thanks for uh, chatting with us today. Okay. Well, thank you. And for those listening, you can find this podcast at the iTunes store and at roastedpepperstudios.com. Thanks for listening.